Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Isaac Roman in a message entitled, It's Not Over. He's continuing our series. Enjoy this message. God is good tonight. I said God is good tonight. And uh, I'm, I'm so, uh, I, I'm privileged to, to be able to be here and, and uh, um, minister tonight. Um, I'm blown away. Uh, Pastor Omar mentioned it in the last week. We were talking about this uh, in the last week. So Palm Sunday, uh, all the way through Resurrection uh, Re- Resurrection Sunday, uh, over 50 people uh, that had committed their lives uh, to Christ. Uh, those are rededications or even uh, new salvations. And it's just powerful to see what God is doing here uh, at Reach Paramount. I, I want to say this to you. Maybe, you, maybe you've been here uh, for a short, uh, short while. Maybe you're new here, but that doesn't happen everywhere. And uh, I'm not saying necessarily that there's anything very special about Reach Paramount, although I'm a little biased. I believe this is the best church in the world. Um, but we understand that it's a sovereign work of God. And, and uh, it's, not, it's nothing to do with our ingenuity, uh, our strategy, or anything like that. It's a sovereign work of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just moved by that. I, I want to uh, honor our senior pastors, Pastor Omar, Sister Letty. Uh, me and my wife, uh, we, we are completely submitted to their leadership. Uh, we appreciate their friendship uh, and their mentorship uh, and their love and, and their, and, and their uh, faith in us, their trust in us. But uh, I love my pastors. Uh, I was thinking about this just the other uh, today. I was thinking about this, that what I appreciate about our pastors is that, uh, is that they give us a good model to follow. Now, I'm not saying that they're perfect, uh, uh, but they're better than most, quite honestly. But they give us a good model to follow. And one of the things that, that I love about Pastor Omar is that uh, he, he always, he consistently says that uh, he, he wants to be able to show people that, uh, he, that they could do, you could do, I could do what they're doing. There's nothing necessarily special other than a surrendered life and a life of obedience and allowing God to work through those things through consistency. So I, I, love, I, I love our pastor. I think they are absolutely the best leaders uh, I have ever met in my life. And uh, I, I love them and I honor them tonight. Um, also, I, I want to honor uh, the leadership here at Reach Paramount. Uh, I, love, I, I love every single one of our, our leaders, our connect group leaders, uh, those that lead teams, uh, just, just some phenomenal people. And uh, again, I'm just honored to be able to be here, uh, pastor alongside our pastors and, uh, and get to minister uh, tonight. I'm going to pray. Uh, before we get started in, in, in this message. So while I pray, I'm going to ask that, that you pray. We need the Holy Spirit tonight. I said, we need the Holy Spirit tonight, okay? So it's, it's yeah, okay, let's pray. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, tonight, God. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you for your mercy. And Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that uh, you would allow me, Father, that you would, uh, that you would give me uh, the clarity of mind, God, to deliver the word uh, that you've given to me. I pray, God, that you'd open up hearts and minds tonight, Father. We pray, God, not just for a moving message or a message that moves us, but God, I pray for complete transformation tonight. God, shift our minds, God, shift our hearts. Lord, that we'd be able to be more and more like Christ. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, we're in this sermon series uh, called It's Not Over. Why don't you say that to someone? Say it's not over. Why don't you turn to your second choice and let them know, tell them it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. You know, and the, the, the thought behind this sermon series is the fact that there's always hope. 
It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter how, how bad you messed up, how far you've gone, there is always hope in Christ. It's a powerful sermon series, it's a powerful thought uh, when you think about this. Now, uh, I'm going to ask us to be a little, bit, uh, a, a little bit vulnerable or transparent here tonight. How many of you have ever failed uh, in anything? You ever failed, right? We, uh, we, there's a lot of different things that we've failed in. Um, I, I was thinking, you know, um, uh, maybe you've tried, you know, kind of a new hobby or something like that, and you failed. Uh, maybe some of us, maybe there's, uh, there's business owners in, in the house, and uh, uh, this is just a natural part of the journey, is that uh, maybe you failed in business uh, and, and uh, in, in those things. Maybe there's even those that have failed in relationships, uh, maybe even marriages, um, but, uh, but you're still here. And that's the, power, that's the power of this thought that it's not over. It's the power of the grace and the mercy that God has for each and every one of us, that although we've failed, uh, we continue to move on in this journey, and our hope is in Christ alone. And so everyone loves a good comeback, right? Everyone loves a good comeback story or like an underdog story. Everyone like, like a good comeback story. I have a phenomenal comeback story uh, that I'm going to show just, just about 30, 40 seconds of it. Uh, we, could, we could play this video for us. The Lakers had completed the biggest fourth quarter comeback ever in a game seven. There was Shaquille again, quite like we had ridden his back all year, found a way to catch it and bring it down and, and come out of that crowd under the basket, you know, as animated as ever. And you talk about growing up and conquering demons all in one 12-minute one swoop. The Lakers are going to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1991. That's it. Those are our glory days, okay? Uh, but, but listen, I, I want to share just a quick, some context here. See, uh, uh, three years before this event, uh, Kobe Bryant, which is my favorite basketball player, um, he's not necessarily, I'm not saying that he's like a role model or spiritual, anything like that, okay? I'm talking about basketball only, okay? And uh, uh, he, um, uh, his rookie season, he was in the playoffs, and maybe some of you know this, he airballed four shots in the fourth quarter, which ultimately led to them losing in that. So here, here it is three years later. Uh, they win this game. They were down by 15 points in the fourth quarter. Game seven, if they would have lost, uh, their playoff hopes would have been, uh, been wiped away. Uh, they, they won that game, came back 15 points in, this, uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm a proud Lakers fan, and I will tell you, I sat there and watched the entire fourth quarter, all the, all, all the, all the fakes left. I sat there and I watched it. And I saw them come back, and so I got to enjoy that uh, as a fan. But I, I'm here to tell you, uh, even, in, even in this, and although it's secular, it's in, it's in the sports world, it seemed like it was absolutely over. There was no hope. There was no, there was no chance. Uh, and even in, even in this situation, you see that it's not over. And so I want to tell you tonight, maybe uh, you feel like you've kind of hit rock bottom. Maybe you feel like there's just no chance for me to get over this. I'm here to tell you it's not over, and with God, all things are possible, and I want to declare that to you tonight. I really do. I really want to encourage you tonight in, uh, in this thought. See, Proverbs 24, 16, the Bible says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. I want you to turn to someone and say, get up again. Come on, get up again. See, the, the thing about this life and in this journey is we're going to be tripped up along the way. No matter, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your intentions are, uh, whatever's going on in your life, uh, in this journey, you're going to fail. Um, there's, a, there's a famous book called uh, Failing Forward, and really what this is, 
and uh, uh, even in this clip, what this, what this kind of shows is that even in failure, so if you go back and you hear the, the story of, of Kobe Bryant when he failed in 1997, that, that started him on this journey uh, to pursue excellence and really started to change things in his life, change decisions that he was making, ultimately putting him in a position to be successful. And so the same thing for us is that as we go through this life and this journey, as we fail and trip up and all of those different things, see, the, the, the only thing that matters is that you get back up and you try again. You, you get back up and you redirect and you get counsel and you allow the Lord to restore you and you go forward in this. We say this around here all the time that failure is an event, it's not a person. Sometimes we, we just feel like, man, I just continue to fail. How many, of, how many of us kind of feel like, man, whatever I try to do, I just, I just seem to mess it up. Anybody, anybody with me? I, I, I felt like that in times in my life that no matter what I try to do, I just seem to always mess it up. See, there, there's, a, there, there's a character in the Bible that we're going to talk about tonight, and it's Samson. And I've labeled Samson, Samson the Saboteur. Now, uh, some of you may not know what that word means. It's a French word. Basically, it means someone that engages in sabotage. And uh, you, we all know the story of Samson. I do not have the time to go through and read the story. Three chapters in Judges, Judges 13 through 16. You can read it. It's a, it's a hoot for sure. Uh, but uh, uh, what happens with Samson is, uh, we know this, that Samson is anointed. Uh, he's, he actually, um, I, I didn't realize this, but he was actually conceived uh, to, a barren, to a barren mother. And so the angel of the Lord came and declared that Samson was going to be a judge, and uh, his, his mom was barren, and then he's conceived uh, in, in, in this manner. And so Samson... Uh, was was a was a gifted person we would say or anointed or or consecrated or set set apart to fulfill God's purpose and and this is this is the hope in this in this story just one thing just real quick is that regardless of how ma- how much he tried to sabotage his life no matter how much he tried to sabotage even the plan of God that God fulfilled his promise in his life that that's some hope for some of us that sometimes we've we we've uh, we, we've kind of messed things up and, and maybe even we have some kind of like um, uh, intentional kind of disruptive kind of sabotage behavior in our own lives. That's kind of just part of who we are. Uh, no matter what you do, you cannot, you cannot dictate or change the plan of God. Ultimately, the purpose of God is going to be played out exactly the way that he's declared it. God is sovereign. So, so Samson is like one of the most frustrating characters in the Bible because he's gifted, he's anointed, He's graced with all this ability and capacity, but Samson, and Samson was ordained before he was even born. The angel came and announced his birth, so he was supernaturally gifted because God had a specific pur- purpose for him. See, this is important to, to know, those of you that are talented and gifted and skilled, that God has given you that because there's a specific purpose for that gifting in the kingdom of God. See, see God, God did not gift Samson with this strength so that Samson could, be, uh, could become famous. He gifted him with this, with this gift. He gifted him with this anointing so that he would be able to fulfill God's purpose for the Israelites. So the pressures that Samson faced make him a relatable figure. Like Samson, we face the danger of assimilation. Listen to this. In, if you understand what's going on in the book of Judges, uh, when Samson comes on the scene, this is the sixth time, six, sixth time that Israel has turned their, their hearts 
from the Lord and have pursued, in this case, we'll call it Baal, but it was Dagon specifically, but it was, a, it was an other god, okay? It was an idol. And so in this time, this is the sixth time that the Israelites have done this. And so like Samson, we face the danger of assimilation being slowly and subtly squeezed into the mold of this world around us. How many of you kind of feel this going on in, in the world around us, that Christian values are now starting to be kind of compromised and trying to be like kind of, kind of groomed and like, and like molded into this kind of like, hey, you can't be so uh, radical. Like you got to tone that down a little bit. See, this is what was happening to Samson. Samson was a Nazarite. Uh, he was called to be separated and consecrated to the Lord. And just like, uh, just like Samson, many of us in this life kind of feel the pressure to kind of conform to what's going on around us. See, Samson was incredibly strong physically, but astonishingly weak in character and convictions. Pastor Omar said this. He said, driven, he was driven by emotion and driven by gifting, but not driven by the Holy Spirit. And see, the, the, the problem is people like this have a lot of ability, but no accountability. See, uh, uh, what I love about my pastor, he says this all the time. He says that, uh, that we're, we're not impressed by giftings. Although we honor giftings, although we could recognize giftings, we, we celebrate giftings, but we're not necessarily impressed by giftings because God has gifted each and every one of you with something that's unique. And so, uh, so really what, what we're looking for are folks that are surrendered to God, folks that are surrendered uh, to leadership and understanding that accountability is a, is a big part of our lives. How many of you know someone that's kind of rogue, like just kind of rebellious, rogue, just like kind of they just do their own thing, like they're super gifted, super talented, but like they just sabotage because they have no accountability and they're just crazy. Anybody know anybody like that? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but we all know them. This is, this is some of, the, some of the most challenging things that we see is that we, we could discern gifting on someone. We could discern that God really has something for them, but they, but, but they just want to do their own thing. And ultimately, this was the problem that Samson had. If you go through and you read the story of Samson, uh, you, you'll see that Samson was enticed by, by women, okay? So he was a womanizer. Um, but, but the problem that he had, it says, it says that he saw this woman and it, it looked good for him. Uh, he liked what he saw, basically, okay? And if you go and you understand exactly the translation of what, what was said there, ultimately what Samson was saying is that uh, this looks right in my own eyes. How many, how many times have you in your life seen something that seemed to look right in your own eyes? That w it was something that we actually wanted and and uh, we didn't really want to go get counsel or anything like that. It's something that we wanted so bad that we had maybe worked for. Maybe we felt like we deserved. And because it seemed right in our own eyes, we went and pursued those things. Anybody ever gone down that road? It's kind of a road of destruction. So Samson's life demonstrates God's ability to use a negative circumstance to ultimately fulfill his purpose. Listen to this. Uh, first, the Philistine women enticed him. Then she controlled him, and then she betrayed him, which is the way the world always treats the compromising believer. I want to say that one more time. The Philistine women enticed him, then controlled him, and then she betrayed him. This is exactly the way the world always treats a compromising believer. So the first thing that I want to talk about that we're supposed to learn from Samson is that we are called to live a life of holiness. 
I, th- I found this really, really interesting. When I went and started studying uh, Samson, uh, if, you, if, you read in, if, if you read in Judges, there's no, there, there's no um, indication that the Israelites actually cried out to God for a judge. They didn't necessarily ask for help. Isn't that ironic that they were in slavery, they, they were in bondage to the Philistines, um, and in that bondage and in that slavery, they were, not, they were not calling out to God for deliverance. Now understand this, they were in a, a city or they were in a place, a land, that was given to them. It was the promised land. So now they're cohabitating here with the Philistines, and now they've kind of assimilated to the Philistine culture. And now they're kind of cool with it. They're just, they're just going with the flow. I thought it was very interesting that the Israelites weren't even crying out for, an, uh, for a judge in that situation. You'll even see that later that the Israelites didn't even want to cooperate with Samson when he was trying to bring deliverance to them. Uh, he, they kind of opposed him. And it, it's just crazy. And it kind of talks about uh, or shows, kind of typifies or pictures a lot of what, what we do in our own lives where God is trying to do something in our lives. God is trying to move us to a deeper, a deeper level of obedience or consecration or, or sacrifice, and we just kind of kick against those things, and we don't, want, we, we don't want to do it. See, the Philistines appear to have been attractive neighbors, and unfortunately, the Israelites readily cooperated with them instead of opposing them and driving them from the promised land. The Spirit of God given to the judges for the deliverance of their people was overpowered by the might of the flesh lusting against the spirit so listen to this so so the judges were 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 sent to the people of israel to deliver them so that they would be able to live in freedom that they would be able to inhabit the the land that god had given them and to worship god freely they 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 pushed against that because they kind of liked what the philistines had to offer i wonder how many of us uh kind of you know we're, we're kind of cool with like a little bit of god and a little bit of the world like, I, I like, I like coming on a Sunday or a Wednesday and when the worship and the presence of God is here and I feel good. It just makes me feel good. But I also don't want to get rid of that relationship that, that God is kind of pointing out. Can I have both of those things? And this is what we're talking about and where we have to live a life of holiness. So what does God do when, when He has a people who refuse to forsake idols and have no desire to forsake, uh, Philistines? A people grown so used to bondage, they don't even have a sense to call out for relief. At least here, the very God who judges them begins to work their deliverance anyway. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God? Like even, even, when, we're, even when we're oblivious to the bondage that we're in, God is, begins to send deliverance your way. God begins to send maybe someone, one of your brothers, one of your sisters, and you, and, and you kind of dodge them. How many of you have ever kind of dodged a church folk? Like maybe in the maybe in the market or something like that. Like you see pastor, and you're just like, oh, I, I'm not gonna make eye contact. I'm gonna just like hide uh, behind, uh, around uh, around the aisle or something like that. See, this is the grace of God chasing after you. Uh, when when your connect group leader gives you a call or shoots you a text, hey, I didn't see you in church. How you doing, man? Right, and and, and we go. So this is the grace uh, that that God is just giving us uh, in spite of ourselves. God's grace is coming after us. Judges 13, 4 through 5, uh, the Bible says that, uh, it says, Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor, no razor 
shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So it's very, very clear that Samson would be consecrated and become a Nazarite from birth. It's very clear that Samson, that Samson should not let a razor come on his head, drink wine, or eat anything unclean. So just like, just like Samson's call to consecration to God is the same as Christians, we have a higher calling than the pursuit of happiness. Our calling is to pursue holiness. Pastor Omar says it all the time, uh, that God is not necessarily concerned with your happiness, but he demands holiness from us. And so the way that we do that, we have to be pulled, pulled apart or set aside from this world. Uh, Proverbs eleven nineteen. I didn't give this to the team, uh, but it says, Genuine righteousness leads to left, uh, leads to life, but the pursuit of evil brings death. I'm going to say that one more time. Genuine righteousness leads to life, but the pursuit of evil brings death. I'm, I'm wondering tonight, what are you pursuing? Are you pursuing a life of holiness? Are, are, are you comfortable watching the movies and the things that you're watching today? Like, have you become so callous to be able to, 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 to watch whatever movie or, or, to, uh, or, or to follow whatever TikTok influencer or whatever it is that is kind of your little pet thing? Are you comfortable in doing that? Are you, are you pursuing those things? Or are you pursuing righteousness and holy? See, this decision will dictate your destiny. So, um, so... So here, so here it is, and, and the Nazarite, what, what that means is to be separated. So like Samson, we're all called to be separated from this world's way of life. Ecclesiastes 7.4, the Bible says, A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. I think this was the foolishness of Samson. That Samson wasn't necessarily worried about, necessarily worried about the deliverance of Israel. Wasn't even necessarily worried about the call of God on his life. He was there to have a good time. And, and I, I think about this, and, and, and we've talked to many people uh, that, that, have, uh, that, that have really turned their backs on, on the world and are pursuing God. And uh, Pastor Omar says this often. He says that, that serving God is not only good for you, but it's actually better for you. So it's not, the, it's not just like, oh, well, I, I want to do what's right because I know, I, I know that I shouldn't be doing what's wrong. That's not necessarily it. Not, not only is it the right thing to do, but it's the better thing for you. We were talking to someone the other day, and, uh, uh, you know, no more drinking, no more alcohol. They're living for the Lord. And all of a sudden, like that, they got a raise. Uh, they, they, would, they would spend $1,000 on, on a weekend, uh, you know, getting high and getting drunk. And all of a sudden, uh, they're not doing that anymore. All of a sudden, they're, on a, they're at a connect group on a Friday night. They're at church. They're, they're, they're at prayer on Saturday morning. Right? They're at church on Sunday morning. They got a raise all of a sudden. And it's funny, uh, we were talking and, and, uh, and we talk about giving and generosity. And here I go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go there. Uh, talk, talking about giving and generosity. And, uh, and the comment was made that, uh, that in tithing is only 10%. And, and, and they said, I, I used to give a lot more than 10% to the world. Right? So, so now, yeah, I'm going to give what, what, what God requires, but uh, I, I'm going to have a little extra. And, and when there's an opportunity to give towards a conference, I, I want to be part of that. I, I want to I help advance the kingdom of God forward. They're not worried about uh, all of those things. They're, 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 they, they've had a mind shift in this place because they're pursuing, they're pursuing holiness and not the lust of what they want in their, in, in their flesh. 
So in a spiritual sense, we must, we're all called to be Nazarites, consecrated and separated for God's purpose. Paul clearly states this in 1 Corinthians. He says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So God expects us to live a holy life. This means a life that is completely dedicated to God's way of life. I want you just to kind of just look at your life, just maybe the last couple of days, and kind of audit your own life. What are you living for? What, what occupies your time? What are you allowing in your life? Romans 12, 1 and 2, we all know the scripture. Living, a, living sac, uh, God, we're called to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, just like Samson, God had a purpose for him. And just like Samson, you and I, we have a purpose that God has put in our lives. And the only way that we achieve, the only way that we attain this, this perfect will of God that Paul is talking about is that we would transform our lives and transform our minds and get away from the, what do we call it? We call it the stinking thinking, right? Get away, get away from that stuff and start pursuing God with all holiness. So a couple of questions for you to ask yourself. Uh, when are you going to decide to give 100% of your being, mind, heart, and strength to God? When are you going to decide to do that? When are you going to decide to not play halfway in and halfway out, but to commit and consecrate yourself to the things of God. Another question for you. What are the things that you're struggling with right now that easily ensnare you and prevent you from surrendering your life to God? What is that thing? I, I guarantee that those of you that are struggling tonight, that the Holy Spirit is pointing to that one thing even as I'm talking. We already know what it is. It's not like this deep revelation that we got to go and, and find the Lord and, 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 and get in your quiet place. I'm telling you that's not what it is. God has already showed you you're struggling with it even right now. The last thing is, what are the things that are holding us back? What, what is it that's holding you back to be uh, the Christian that you know that God has called you to be? What is it that's holding you back to pursue the dreams and the calling that God has put on your life? What is it that's holding you back from uh, being generous uh, uh, to the Lord uh, in, in your life? See, we're, we're all Christians, and we're not just Christians during church services. One of the things, one of my pet peeves, I used to talk to people and, uh, um, you know, for me, my life is committed to the kingdom of God. I, I mean, obviously, I, I, well, maybe not obviously, but I work a secular job. I'm in this world, right? I, I participate in all that kind of stuff. But my life is dedicated to the kingdom of God. And so even my life, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's not like, it's, it's not um, compartmentalized, okay? I, uh, uh, um, Omar talked about that the other night. Um, my life is not compartmentalized. It's just like all things with God, right? Like all things with God. And so I, one of my pet peeves was uh, when I would be talking and counseling with people, they, they would say like, you know, once they start to isolate, they would say, well, I don't want to, that's a, that's a church friend or that's church people. And I don't, I didn't want to like answer that call or I didn't want to see them. Um, or they come to a social, a social gathering and they're like, oh, I didn't know that there was going to be church people there. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, that's your brother and your sister in the Lord. Why, what, why are we differentiating these things? Uh, it's probably because you're compromising and you don't want them to see your lifestyle. But, 
That's for another, that's for another time. So we're not just Christians when we're around church people, and we're not just Christians when things are going according to the plan and, and it's convenient for us. See, that's not Christianity, that's humanity. That's fleshliness, right? And so if we're to say that we're, we believe in Christ and our actions show the exact opposite, then we're not fooling anyone but ourselves. Christianity is not merely a feel-good and part-time duty. It demands all of our be- beings and it demands complete holiness. See, the life, of a, the life of a Christian is a life of overcoming. I say this all the time. Of, uh, it's a life of victory. It's overcoming and it's not conforming. See, a sad fact of Christian experience um, that if you are a Christian committed to growing and maturing in Jesus Christ, sometimes, sometimes your fire will be hindered by, uh, by, by other Christians who have become accustomed and accommodated to an anemic washy, uh, wishy-washy spiritual life. How, I, I used to see this uh, often where, where someone would come into the church and life, and, and God is just changing their life. I mean, God radically changing their life. And they're on, we call it, on fire for the Lord, but they're passionate for the things of God. And uh, uh, one of the things that would just bother me so much is that you would have kind of like a, 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 a seasoned Christian like, like come and like try to put their fire out, like, hey, hey, you don't have to be all that. Like, chill out a little bit, right? Anybody that does that to you is living a compromised life. I'm telling you right now. We should be pursuing, we should be pushing each other into, right, into a consecration in our lives. So don't let those wishy-washy, weak, spiritually people put your fire out, all right? Pursue God. So God has not called us to be happy, but God's called us to be holy. And so we need to pursue this holiness in our lives, consecrated to God. The second thing that we need, that, that we can learn from Samson is that God could use a bad situation to fulfill his purpose. I see this in my life consistently. I see this in the life of other people. How many of you have experienced something that's been tragic, that's been bad? Anybody ever experienced that stuff? How many of you have experienced that? And that event has caused you to chase God even further. Yes? Same, same amount of hands. This is the thing that we don't, this is the thing that we don't, we don't like to hear is that, that there's, purpose in, there's, there's purpose in pain. I've seen this in my life. I, I, I'm blown away. I was talking to Pastor Omar earlier, uh, earlier before we came out. And I say this often, but I, I think about some of the events that, that I've experienced in my life and just seeing how God has moved through those in spite of those tragedy, uh, uh, just horrific things, but God has used them for his good. Uh, I, I think about that, and I say this, uh, I say this often, is uh, even in my family and, and my siblings, that, that, uh, that, that uh, we've experienced some pretty tra- traumatic things here over the last 18 months, uh, and, and God has just used these things beautifully in his time. Uh, I, I can't even understand it, but has used these things to strengthen my family and to draw us closer to the Lord. I'm blown away by, by how God can use bad situations, uh, bad situations to fulfill his purpose. Same thing in Samson's, uh, in, in, in Samson's life that, see, he was, he was like, he was drawn to the Philistine women. And, uh, and, and even in that, in, in the times where, where he was seduced, basically, right, that he gave in to his flesh, but even in those times, he was still fulfilling the purpose of God. He was going and he was starting a deliverance, uh, starting really kind of a holy war 
and, and, uh, and confronting the, the Philistines. And so uh, we've, we've, we read this phrase uh, multiple times uh, in, in, uh, in, in the story of Samson that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And, and so here it is that, that Samson is just kind of doing his own thing. Samson is, is truly out of the will of God uh, uh, according to, to all of our accounts. But it, it's like when God just purposes him for a certain situation that God empowers him to do that. This is like, it's like favor's not fair kind of a conversation where, where this guy is just completely uh, just out of bounds, right? But God would just, the spirit of God would just fall upon him and move him to fulfill his purpose. And, and this is what I'm talking about where, where Samson is the saboteur that uh, even in spite of himself, in spite of his failures, God's purpose is being fulfilled in, in the life of, of God's people. I want to tell you tonight that even in, in your life, you may, be, uh, uh, you, you may continue to struggle and fail and things like that. God will continue to use you to fulfill his purpose in your life. Judges 14.4 says, uh, But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. What they're saying is that uh, it, it, they couldn't understand, they couldn't comprehend really the sovereignty of God, how God could use someone that's broken like this to fulfill his purpose. See, God knew the tendency of Samson and he used it to create a situation where the Philistines would be destroyed ultimately. He can simply change the event, um, but God chose to interweave his plans uh, to the tendencies of human beings. And so here it is that God is interweaving and, and, and we talk about uh, uh, we, we talk about like this tapestry where, where you're making decisions and you're walking, uh, you're, you're walking with the Lord. And in that, and even in your failures, even in those things that come against you that, that are challenging, even in spite of those things, God is interweaving his plan into that and causing those, those, even those bad things to work out for the good of his people. This is a perfect story of that if, if, if you're looking at the story of Samson. And so at this point in time, we have to realize that no matter what we're facing in this life right now, we should always remember that God is in complete control. Though Satan is ruling this world, God is ultimately in charge. And so we could gain comfort from the fact that God can use a negative situation for our betterment. Though we might suffer, we're suffering for a purpose. I'll say that one more time. You might be suffering tonight, and though you, though you suffer, you're suffering for a purpose. There's purpose in pain, I'm telling you. Every trial we face in this life is used by God to improve our character and develop the character needed to rule in his kingdom. Uh, Paul said, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are, call, who are the called according to his purpose. So God's purpose for our life is greater than our biggest mistake. I wanna say that one more time. God's purpose for your life is greater than your biggest mistake. God's purpose for your life is greater than your biggest mistake. And so when we're going through situations, when we're going through problems, we, 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 we often ask why. God, why is this happening to me? Anybody ever ask God, why is this happening to me? We, ha we have to change our focus. We have, to we have to shift our minds and go from why to what. God, what are you trying to teach me in this trial? What are you trying to teach me in this season? And God is faithful and we can have full assurance that whatever we're facing, uh, that, that even in that season, those things will pass. And God is working out 
those things for each and every one of us. See, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken us except such as common to man, but God is faithful. I'll say that one more time. But God is faithful who will not let us be tempted beyond what we're able, but with the, the temptation will always make the way of escape that we may be able to bear it. And so we just have to be faithful and we have to be patient. And, and in due time, God will work it all out for the good to those who love him and all of us that are called according to his purpose. The next thing that I want us to look at in Samson's life is that, uh, that we, you are free to choose whatever you like, but you don't choose the consequences. All right, so, so God has given you free will, okay? You could do whatever you want, right? And, and, and you can make whatever choices you want, but you don't choose the consequences. So just, just like Samson, Samson chose to live a, a riotous life. He just chose to go and do whatever he wanted. And God gave him the ability, gave him the freedom to do that, but he didn't choose the consequences. See, every action that we take will either bring you farther or closer to God. Every decision that you make is, 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 is moving you closer or further from God. And so, uh, so we have to remember this, that, uh, that you're free to choose whatever you want to do. So uh, even here, we don't dictate to people what they, what, they, what they can and can't do. We don't dictate. We allow you to just make your choice, right? Live according to, 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 to God. Live according to the Bible. But ultimately, you make your own choice. But you don't choose the consequences. Hebrews 12, 5, and 6 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and who he scourges, every son uh, whom he receives. So God doesn't discipline us uh, because he hates us. It's, it's quite, on, on the other hand, that God disciplines us because he loves us and he doesn't want us to continue sinning and hurting ourselves in the process. I think about this all the time. I'm a father of father of four and uh 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 in, in times where i have to discipline i don't like disciplining i'm i like i get no pleasure out of disciplining parents well i'm not gonna ask that maybe some of you do but if you, if you do i'm gonna pray for you but i i take no pleasure in disciplining my kids i want them to enjoy life to the fullest but i understand the necessity of discipline i understand the the lessons and the teaching and the molding that i'm trying to do to make them better people it's the same way with the lord Again, you could choose whatever you want to choose. You could do whatever you want to do. And many of us have done that. Even today, even tonight, maybe you're, you're living uh, even now in a place where you're just kind of doing your own thing. Like Samson, you're doing what you believe is right in your own eyes. And when the discipline of the Lord comes, don't despise those things. Understand that this is the grace of God, that God is calling you back and God is trying to bring you closer and closer to him. And the last thing that, that I, I want to look at for Samson, and this is in closing, is that we're to use our gifts and our strengths for God's purpose, for God's work. And I, I look at, I, I look all around this church and, and the people that I know that are so gifted by God. And I, I want to encourage you in this, that, that God has gifted you for his purpose. God has gifted you for the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God forward. See, many of us take our skills and we monetize them. What do, what do I mean by that? Like, you think that they're marketable skills that you go and get a job or you pursue a career or you're pursuing education. All of those things are good, okay? I'm not saying don't do those. 
but understand that your gifting and, and your skills that God has given you, God-given, okay, God-given, that he's given those to you to move the kingdom of God forward. God has not called us to be consumers. God has not called us to be in a church and kind of sitting, coming and going, getting fed, and, and just kind of living our own lives. But God has called each and every one of us to be a contributor, and God has gifted each and every one of you to contribute to the kingdom of God. And so we're, we're called to use our skills and our giftings for God's work. See, it's our Christian duty to use our giftings for the glory of God. This is how we glorify God. And so this, this in closing, this is, uh, this is what I, uh, I, I want to share with you, this thought, is that in this journey, there's, there's a lot of different experiences that we have. And uh, uh, Pastor Rob, he gave me this quote. He said, only the dead have seen the end of war. And Pastor Omar says this often. We sing a song that says that if you're not dead, you're not done. And maybe you're here tonight and uh, you feel like, uh, you feel like, man, life is just kind of dealt me some, some like a raw deal, right? Like life has just been tough. I'm in a bad season right now. And, and I, I really feel like there's no, there's no hope. I'm here to tell you, if you're not dead, you're not done. That there's still hope for you. It's not over. And God wants to, God wants to fulfill the, the call and the plan and the destiny in your life. We believe that every single person uh, on this earth has a destiny in God. And I believe that God is faithful to complete that which he said to you. And so, so this is, this is kind of the, the, the conflict that we all have to wrestle with, is that Satan ruins men by rocking them, or people, by rocking them to sleep, flattering each and every one of us into a good opinion of our own safety. And so bringing us to, to mind nothing and to fear nothing, and then he robs us of our strength and honor and leads us uh, and leads us captive at his own will. See, what the enemy wants to do is just kind of lull you to sleep. Just kind of kind of get you comfortable, kind of get you just, just not really pursuing the things of God, just kind of just going with the flow. Anybody ever feel like you're just kind of going with the flow, like you don't really have good direction? That's a, that's a strategy of hell, okay? I'm telling you right now, that's a strategy of hell. And, and, and the enemy tries to do that. It, it doesn't matter where you're at in, in, in your walk with the Lord. I, I'm speaking to leaders. I'm speaking to maybe it's your first time here. It doesn't matter. This is a strategy of hell that, that would try to just kind of uh, just kind of rock you into sleep and just kind of get you into like this cruise mode that, that you, you're just not pursuing anything in your life. And so really the remedy to all of this is that we, that we would pursue God and that we'd be closer to the Lord, that our dependence would be on God and not on our own strength. See, this was the problem with Samson, is that that last, uh, that last conflict, okay? So he's sitting with Delilah, she's asking him all these, all these different questions. He finally gives it up. He finally says, yeah, if you cut my hair, um, then, then my strength is gone. And there's a lot of different theories about why he did that. One of the theories that makes a lot of sense is that he no longer depended on God, but he had full dependence on his own strength. He had done things so often and so frequently. He had had these different feats of strength and these different overcomings, these different victories that he was fooled into thinking that he was doing it in his own strength. And if you read the story, you see, you see that it says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Samson and he was captured. And I, I, I think I, I want to I speak to maybe some believers here tonight. If you would just, just bow your heads and just kind of listen here. 
see this life as we're walking through, as we're doing what, 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 what we do, and, and sometimes it just becomes muscle memory. We just kind of, we just kind of do it, um, maybe even in ministry, we just kind of do these things. And we don't realize that we've been walking with the grace of God on us. We've been operating with the grace of God on us. And sometimes we begin to become so dependent on ourselves, our own skills, our own giftings, that we don't even realize that the Spirit of God has left us. And now we're walking out there, and now we're blinded. I, I, like, what, I like what one, what one man said uh, in regards to Samson and his life of sin. He said that, uh, that, that, that Samson's life of sin dic- uh, depicted uh, the, the blinding, the binding, and the grinding of sin little by little those little compromises led him to this place where now he's captured and he's 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 there and he's being mocked and humiliated and the spirit of god has left him what i love about the story is and and uh uh along the lines of it's not over is that if you read the story all the way to the end uh in judges 16 26 it says, Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, this is, there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines and the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime and so Samson cried out to God one more time and we believe uh, in this moment he no longer had his own desires as a priority he was no longer uh, desired to be the main character anymore but he turned to God and God had mercy and I'm here to tell you Maybe, maybe tonight you're here and you feel like, man, I, I, Pastor Isaac, I, I just, I feel like I have no more strength. I just, I have no more hope. All things are lost. I, I, I'm just, I'm lost and, 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 and uh, I, I just, I, I just have no more hope. I'm here to tell you, just like Samson, if you were to cry out to God, God, give me strength just one more time. Just get one more chance, one more time. God, give me strength one more time. And I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that God's grace is here for you. Again, if you're not dead, you're not done. And God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. And so if you're here tonight, and uh, uh, a lot of what I'm saying is kind of resonating with you. You're, you're, you're here, you're saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I, I, I hear this and, and I, feel, I, 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 feel like, uh, I feel like God is really just, just kind of nudging me right now. And maybe you're here and... Uh, uh, you're, you're not walking with the Lord. Maybe you were walking with the Lord at one time, but you're, you're, you're kind of pursuing your own path, just like Samson. You're doing what you, what you believe is right in your own eyes. I'm here to tell you that it's not over, that God still has grace for you. And even tonight, God is calling you back uh, into, into His grace. And, Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.